Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Front door. Revueltos con chorizo, enchiladas verdes y dos quesos con pollo. Un papa huevo, un tocino, huevo, con Monterrey, maíz. All right, so we made it back from Iowa, back to some real Texas tacos. You know, the Iowa taco scene was pretty impressive. It I, was. I did not expect the taco trucks and the the taco game to be that good. Our producer, Taylor, uh, hit up one of the trucks twice in one day. <laughs> he, he was killing it. I, I think I uh, probably ate Iowa out of all the Tums they had as well, too, because <laughs> I saw the hot that. sauce and the... Um, and the onions on there. But it's, it's, it's good to be back in Texas. We are sure three is. weeks away right now from Super Tuesday. It's hard to believe because tonight yep. is when New Hampshire uh, is going to... Uh, the polls close in New Hampshire, the primary there. And, we'll and hopefully a, they're quicker counters. Well, we, we hope they can count there because uh, <laughs> I'm not sure they can count in Iowa where we were. After all that led up, oh. uh, it looks like Iowa still needs to learn to count. It was a rough start out of the gates for the primary season. But uh, again, hopefully uh, some lessons learned and hopefully tonight's a lot more smooth. So we made our way all the way back to Texas. And, and after you loaded up on an, just an ungodly number of tacos in Iowa, we find ourselves today at what else but a taqueria? We are at El Taxqueño <laughs> Taqueria. This is in Oak Cliff. It's uh, right off I-35. We could have just driven straight down I-35 from, from uh, Des Moines. I uh, prefer the flight. It's exactly. a lot faster. Uh, so we're at uh, El Taxqueño. Armando Monroy is the owner of the place. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic taqueria. It's a place I come to all the time. And he's cooking up some good stuff back there. And out here at the table, uh, we are not having beers today because they don't serve beer here. And we're okay with that uh, because we've got some really good, strong coffee. We need to dry out after that Iowa that so. Iowa mess. <laughs> so I'm having a Topo Chico. You're having coffee. And we're talking about um, the Latino vote. Welcome to Yolitix, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. I've talked about this for a long time. It was one of my final projects in college. That's how long I've been talking about it. How wow, that goes way back. It is It is way back. You know how Latinos were, you know, are, and they still are. They were in the mid-90s when I was in college, but a sleeping giant as an electorate. 30% of the eligible voters in the country, according to Pew Research, are Latino. 30% of the eligible voters. Let that sink in. One in three are Latino. These are eligible voters, not necessarily people who are casting ballots, though. And that's what we're getting into today. So one of our colleagues is Teresa Woodard. At one w- of our favorites. She is the best reporter at WFAA. I tell her that all the time. Oh, but she, Lord. She had a cool story on the <laughs> other day. smoke. You can find it in the link to this podcast. It's a cool story mm-hmm. about how there is an effort underway to register more voters, Latino voters, at quinceañeras of all places. It's brilliant because uh, these are people, young people, who are coming of age and uh, and their parents, too, in a lot of cases. Right, Teresa? Yeah, absolutely. First, let me say, longtime listener, first-time guest. Aww. Call her, go ahead. So we appreciate excited. you being here. So excited. <laughs> and, quite frankly, excited to be here to add a little 
female perspective. Wow. Yes, we wow. Need what are you saying? We don't have enough on here? We, we, we don't have enough. We need so. that. Maybe I'm saying that. Maybe I'm saying that. Uh, so, yeah, the story we did uh, a couple weeks ago, loved telling this story. Quinceañeras are a part of Latino culture, a part of Hispanic culture in Texas. If you grew up in Texas, there's a good chance you went to a quinceañera, even if you're not Hispanic. Mm-hmm. And absolutely, what a place to set up a voter registration drive. Of course, the girls are turning 15. So a lot of people saw this story and they said, why in the world will we talk to 15-year-olds about voting? Well, two reasons. Number one, to explain to them the importance of it, to get them excited about the process. They set up this voter registration booth and the 15-year-old girls signed pledges promising that they will vote. They will register to vote. They will vote when they turn 18. But the other thing is, how many people at the Quinceanera are of voting age Cousins and are just and not registered? And brothers and Absolutely. Parents. So it is opportunity. You called around. You found out that this was actually happening in. Yeah, it's happening all over Texas. Really? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, here's something that interested me too. Uh, again, going back to Pew, they were saying that, uh, and this sounds like an impressive figure: 11.7 million Latinos in the country voted in the last uh, in midterms. Uh, so you hear 11.7 million, like that's pretty good. But then they show that the potential pool of Latino voters was 29 million. Yeah. So where's the disconnect here? Why aren't we seeing these eligible voters who are Latino actually go to the polls? I think there's a couple of things. Number one is there's just distrust, hmm. right? There's this, a sense that if I sign this voter registration card and it's got my address on it, maybe there's someone in my family who doesn't have the right papers, who could potentially be tracked down. And so there's just an inherent distrust. But also, a lot of these families... They have roots in countries that are extremely corrupt, and so they don't trust the process. They don't trust the government. It's sort of, why would I take part in that? That's what other people do. And sometimes it's just what you know, too, right? Oh, because absolutely. Because we if were talking about this, and maybe your what, Theo doesn't yeah, do it. Yeah, you know? if your parents didn't model this behavior for you, where would you learn it? Hmm. And a lot of us did grow up in families where they vote or where we talk about politics. But if you didn't, you don't feel like you're part of the process and you don't get why it's important. And that's why this matters, because even planting that seed at 15 years old, 16 years old, if somebody sees it, sees the opportunity, hey, maybe I can be a voice for my community. Maybe I can be a voice of change. Get them excited. And those numbers might grow. You talked about it. 30 percent of the potential voters in the United States or Latino, 30 percent are not voting by far. You had a couple very interesting lines in this story. Let, let's play a clip real quick. In November 2012, just 38.8 percent of eligible Hispanic Texans voted. And in 2016, 40.5 percent. The number barely budged. The turnout rate for Hispanic Texans is the lowest of all ethnicities. Do those numbers frustrate you sometimes? They do, but you've got to put it in the context. Every 35 seconds, a Latino turns 18, okay? Those numbers are going to catch up. If they vote when they're 18 and 19, it becomes a habit. Domingo Garcia is the national president of LULAC there. And he says this is the key. This is the key. You've got to get to them when they are 18, 19 years old. Explain to them why they need to do this because then it becomes a habit. Trying to reach somebody who's 55, 60 years old who's never voted before, that's going to be a lot harder. But if you can get to them when they first have an opportunity, then they understand the process. They become a part of it. And it's just what they do. Another line in your story talks about 
In 2012, 38% of Latinos in Texas voted. Four years later, that number just creeped up just a tad to 40%. Barely budged. Barely budged. And you have to consider the context. November 2016, President Donald Trump is on the ballot then. Everybody expected for there to be a huge uptick in the number of Hispanic voters who were coming out to vote yeah. against him Everybody was talking about that, yeah. 40.5% up from 38.8% four years before. So there was not a huge increase, which is surprising to a lot of people. Yeah, because immigration was just being hammered in that uh, campaign. We kept hearing about, we're going to build the wall, Mexico's going to pay for it. And every time you turned on the TV, you heard people saying, wait, just look out for the Latino vote. Just look out for that. And, and it didn't happen. We looked out and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Why? I, I, I wish there was a clear answer as to why. I think it goes back to what we talked about just a few minutes ago. And what yeah. you guys talked about on a podcast previously about the, about the census, about people just not trusting the process. And yeah. so that's why efforts like this, getting to a quinceanera, getting out into the community and explaining that you have a privilege and a right and you need to exercise that right. Um, that's critical to turning the numbers around. And as we get our food here uh, oh, at El Taco King. <laughs> <laughs> I got distracted. Good. Too bad you guys can't smell this. <laughs> I know. Um, I'm looking around the table and thinking, okay, did I order the right thing? Because everybody's <laughs> stuff looks really good. It smells great. It looks great. Teresa, another person you had in your story was Carmen Ayala. She was physically there mm-hmm. signing these up, and you brought her along today. Carmen, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me, guys. Sli- Scoot we'll on up to that we'll mic right there. We'll slide up a little closer to the mic there. Belly up to the bar. How often do you go to taquerias and you have to talk into a microphone? <laughs> I believe this is the first time. <laughs> I think it's first for everything. It's my first time as well, too. For okay. people who haven't seen the story, Carmen, give us your background. Tell us the organization you work for, the name of this whole project, and how you got involved in this. So the name of the organization is Jolt, and the name of the project is called Poder Quince because pa- there's power in quinceañeras, and that's where the name came from. And um, it, it, poli, how do you, poder, poder quince. Spell that for me. Uh, P-O-D-E-R. Gotcha. Power. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, see, clearly, power in Spanish. Clearly, I didn't no, take enough Spanish. There's no good to have power if you don't use it, but that's happening. Yeah, and and the whole the whole um, reason behind the 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 poder quince is to do a cultural shift, uh, to put it into the Latino culture, to make it a habit to go vote, you know, to get people like, this is part, this is now part of our cultural, we're going to change the narrative by telling our stories, by having our voices heard, and we're just planting that seed in in 15-year-old girls to be like, you know, when I'm 18, I'm going to go vote, and that's just going to be a thing that we do. I think uh, the idea behind the quinceañeras is you get that one day where the entire family shows up. Mm -hmm. You have people from, not just Dallas County, but in Tarrant County, Collin County, they have families all over Texas and they come to this one party to celebrate a family member and when how often do you get that chance where you have the entire family in one gathering but are you crashing the party though I mean they, they, they want to have fun and here you are saying hey you know sign up to vote here register to vote I know, are, are you welcome there no we definitely are I mean we first talk to the mom about it we tell mm-hmm. them you know the idea behind it and then you know we're like hey we're gonna set up the photo booth and it's not like uh, while they're having dinner or dancing I'm shoving voter registration cards in their faces you know it is clever how you do it as well too though you actually bring a photo booth and you let them take photos and after they get done you say hey by the way do you mind filling out this voter registration yeah, card yeah and then right? sometimes during the quinceañeras we have a line at the photo booth people waiting to take pictures so then we have our canvassers hit up the line and, and ask are you updated um, do you need internship hours volunteer 
volunteer hours. So we get the kids, we get the, the tias, the uncles, every, we get everybody in that family to sign up. Mm. And uh, believe it or not, a lot of people are excited. They're like, oh my God, that's so cool that you guys are doing this. And in fact, the, at the quinceanera that Teresa was at, um, we had a parent reach out to us that was at, at that quinceanera and will be attending their quinceanera at the end of this month. And it's kind of a deal they can't refuse, too, because if they agree to do this, you provide the photo booth for free. Absolutely. What is a modern day party without a photo booth, it, right? I, it doesn't. I always say, you know, because I know my kids, it didn't really happen if you don't have that's the picture exactly of it. What, that's exactly right. what I was going to say. Well, picture or it didn't happen. Well, mm-hmm. Carmen, let me ask you this. What kind of results have you had so far? How many people have you signed up to vote? How long has this been going on? Uh, we just kicked off this program last summer. Um, so we haven't uh, calculated all the numbers yet because we're doing a report for 2019. But what do you think? A couple hundred or what? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it, it depends. Some quinceañeras are huge, some are small. But regardless, we at least get about 25 kids to sign pledge cards. And these are the, the kids the, who are under 18. These are the kids they, that, yeah. These they are promise the, to vote mm-hmm. or promise to register to vote. And here's the thing. Here's the thing about those pledge cards. Those pledge cards include a place for them to put their birth date and their phone number and their email. Mm. And that's the key, right? So they're not just signing this pledge and then forgetting about it and never going back to it. You get to remind Carmen them. Carmen keeps a database. <laughs> yes. And Carmen will text them as their 18th birthday is coming around and remind them, hey, that pledge you signed six months ago at that quinceanera to go register to vote, now's the time to do it. Data so there's is follow everything. through. Yeah, yeah. there's follow through. So, yeah. yeah, so we have the database. We sort it by um, birth dates. We get their phone numbers and we send text messages. And we also send them text messages reminders of events that we have coming up like volunteer opportunities uh, because a lot of them want to get involved because I know when I was growing up there weren't organizations that offered this kind of work because I would have loved to do it and a lot of kids um, are excited that there's organizations that are you know reaching out to their community and they want to just be more involved especially because they're on social media every day and they see what's going on Mm -hmm. and sometimes you you know Besides the retweet, what else can you do? So then we come as an outlet for that. Now, Carmen, and let's keep it real here, too. How much does it help that they trust you versus if I showed up at the quinceanera, this you know white guy with a clipboard, like, hey, y'all want to vote? You're scaring uh, me, man. You're scaring <laughs> me. Slow down there. How much does that help? I mean, it helps a lot, especially, I mean, when you, like, even like canvassing or block walking, when you're in a Latino neighborhood, you want a Latino knocking on the door because mm-hmm. I know my mom's not going to, sorry, Jason, but she won't answer the door for you. I wouldn't answer the door for Jason either. Don't worry about we it. We kept hearing that about that, about that though, when we did the piece on the census. I mean, it was the same thing. Like, mm-hmm. you've got to have people who speak the language, who know the lay of the land, who understand the culture, and who who are trusted. Yes, uh, And Okay, so you get them to sign these pledge cards. How confident are you that, you know, these kids, they're young. Uh, how confident are you that they're going to follow through after they get this reminder? Do you get the sense that there's this pent-up urge to change the way things have been where we're not seeing the Latino turn yeah, out? Yeah, I think so, because when I speak to these kids, at first, they, you know, they're like, we don't care, nothing has changed. But after we talk and I tell them, you know, you can't expect change if you don't participate. Um, the reason things are the same is because no one has actually gone out and voted. Um, and so once I talk to them and have that one-on-one and, you know, I ask them about what do you care about, what issues do you care about, 
I mean, it changes the narrative and their perspective. And they're like, okay, sign me up, send me an email. And when we, when I send emails to these kids that want to volunteer, they show up to our office. They've mm. come to events. Yeah. So there's follow through. Yeah, there's follow through. Even if they're not 18 yet, like we're having um, a Movimiento Town Hall in Houston. We have two buses, charter buses from Dallas of kids that signed up to go to Houston. Hmm. Do you get parents, too? Like, have you had parents or even grandparents, uncles, aunts who have come up and said, you know, now that you're here, let me go ahead and sign up, too? Yes. Um, I was telling uh, Teresa about uh, one quinceañera that I attended. Um, um, The dad got the mic. And he went on a rant about the importance of voting in Spanish. So at, at the party? At the party. It wow. was completely unexpected. I was not expecting this dad to come and speak. And and he spoke for about like five minutes about wow. how important it is to vote. And especially in the Latino community, because I don't expect my dad at my mm. quince to get the mic. He's just kind of like, let me bankroll this. Let me pay for this. And I'm right. going to stand in the back. <laughs> But this, but this father, he stood up and he spoke. And then after that, you see um, a lot of men come up to the photo booth. Wow. So he held church and yes, he converted. Did. He did. And it was completely unexpected. And it was such a, a beautiful thing to see because you don't see that in the Latino community. And it encouraged other men to come up and they came to the photo booth and they're like, OK, so what what is this about? How do we sign up? Um, my daughter's having a quinceañera. And we just and we just make that uh, the connection just to be clear here, a lot of t- times people hear Latino vote and they see an equal sign to Democrat. This is nonpartisan. You're just trying to get people signed up to vote. You're not telling them, hey, I need you to go blue or I need you to go yeah, red. Yeah, no, we're, we're, we, we just want them to vote. Uh, we want them to make the research and find a candidate that fits their ideals and their values. Um, I, our job is to get them registered to vote, and then the biggest thing is to actually get them to the polls. So, yeah, it's completely nonpartisan. Carmen, why in the world don't Latinos vote? You know what? I've been trying to figure that out. <laughs> so have a lot of campaigns. But yeah. You, you, you even said in Teresa's story, though, how the, the word sleeping giant. They've been Latinos have been called as an electorate a sleeping giant for years, for decades. I know, and I hate that. And I'm like, we need to wake up. And I don't know. I mean, like Teresa said, I thought um, with Donald Trump on the ballot and all the rhetoric he was speaking against Latinos, I thought that was going to be the push that we needed. But it wasn't. I mean, it bumped up a little bit, but not as big as we expected. And what does that the, tell you then? I mean, I, I mean, it tells us that we need to we need to not use fear tactics. You know, um, you know, people um, are driven by fear, but I think we need to show them the possibility that we could change the narrative with our stories. Dovetailing off of your point and off of what you, Teresa, said earlier about that fear factor and that distrust. uh, This is an interesting thing, a stat that says among those who voted in 2018, 52 percent of Asians and 45 percent of Hispanics voted early or by mail, whereas most whites and blacks did not. Uh, much lower percentages of whites and blacks voted by mail. It goes back to that whole distrust yeah. thing. It's It seems a lot less intimidating to send this thing in through the mail than to show up there at the precinct. Well, yeah. Um, I remember I was working a poll um, uh, last, uh, last election cycle, uh, Lakeside Activity Center. Um, there were stories covering because, I mean, it was very intimidating uh, walking into the polls because you have all these huge yard signs all these people coming up to you and we had several people come up and they were like you know what I'll just come back another day and to me that means they're not going to come back because they're intimidated from you know the poll pushers outside 
Um, I mean, up there in Mesquite, it was, it, was, it was crazy out there. And, you know, a lot of them, is to them, it's just like, let me just send it by mail, then show up to the polls. Mm. So registering people to vote is one thing. Turning out the vote is the hardest issue out there for anybody. Mm-hmm. If it's so hard to register, what in the world makes you think you can turn people, turn Latinos out to the polls? Um, I think um, people forget, you know, the biggest voting block that's going to be by 2022 will be young Latinos. It'll, it'll be young people. Mm-hmm. And I think... But um, if they vote. Is yeah, the that's true. If, if they, they vote. vote. And I think, um, I think turning them out, I mean... From my experiences going to high schools and going to quinceañeras and talking to these young people, um, they care. Just no one has ever asked them before. I think this could be an interesting point to talk about. Carmen, personally, what was it inside of you that changed, that awakened to get you excited? Because you told me you did not grow up in a family that was politically active, that cared about politics, that talked about politics. But something inside of you, you guys, she started out, she wanted to be a vet, she has two degrees because one is in biology <laughs> and the other is, is political science? Or? Yes. Wow. Okay, political so there you go. So what changed inside of you to change your track and to get you excited, so excited that you've really dedicated your life to changing this pattern? Well, what happened to me, it was a candidate, a female candidate running for office. Who was it? Hillary Clinton. Really? <laughs> yeah, in 2008. I was like, here we have a woman running for the highest position. You've never seen it before. She wasn't Latino, though. but She was not, but hey, it's a woman. And before that, you didn't really follow? Well, no. Well, no. Actually, when I first registered to vote was 2004, and Lupe Valdez was running, which was Latina LGBT for sheriff of Dallas County. So right. when I was like, when I'm 18, I'm going to register, and I'm going to go vote for her. And I think sometimes that's what it takes. It's a candidate that inspires us. Look at Beto in 2018. All these young people were coming to the polls. And when I was poll pushing, they were like, yeah, I'm here to vote for Beto. It it made people excited, made people hopeful for the future. And I think sometimes that's what it takes is for a candidate to inspire people. And that's why I also encourage uh, uh, young people to run for office. Well, Carmen, you talked about Hillary Clinton. Uh, Let's talk about the Democratic field for a moment. It started out as a diverse field, a wide field of presidential candidates, and we have narrowed it down to a bunch of white folks who are a little older than most everybody else. Mm-hmm. Still some women in there, though. Yeah. What do you think about that? I mean, I think uh, I was a little bit disappointed. I mean, I, I, you know, I expected, you know, the way that the country's moving, the way, you know, the way we're moving, I, I expected, you know, a little bit more color and in, uh, in the running field and you know it's been dwindling down because of finance because of money and I don't know I, I you know I will, just will that make it harder to get Latinos out to vote if they see you know an old white guy on the ballot it might but then it just depends if they're talking about the issues that we care about and and that's the thing and that's what I tell kids you know we are we care more about than just immigration you know people like to lump us up. all latinos just care about immigration but right. i mean when i talk to these kids they care about the climate about the climate they care about women issues and to me um 
to me, if there's a candidate that's speaking about the issues that they care about, that's going to make them want to go vote for that person. And how much does it hurt if it seems like a candidate is pandering, though? Because you'll see that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You'll see that. And we, we've seen it in the past, too. And I think I think it hurts a little bit because we want people to be, like, genuine and authentic. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have to come out because you're in San Antonio and come out saying, hola. You know, you don't have to do that. You just be yourself and just talk about the issues because most of the time they already know like what's important to us. Plus their Spanish is usually really bad. And, and they still and they still do that. I know they still come out and try to I speak know, a Beto line in Spanish. I know still does it and I know he's from El Paso but <laughs> come on. I mean I'm, my Spanish is better than some of these. <laughs> Let me ask you how you scale this up because so you're going from quinceañera to quinceañera and, and trying to get you know people signed up to vote. How do you scale this up? Texas is a huge state. We have so many Latinos here millions of them who could potentially be signed up to vote. How do you get them all? How do you get somebody else to go in on this with you? Well, so right now we're currently doing this um, in Austin, Houston, and Dallas. But surprisingly, we've been getting hits from like uh, Edinburgh, Texas, Victoria, Texas, Spring, Texas. Asking you to come out? Yes, and we're going to. We have two from El Paso that we're going to. Wow. Two quinceañeras over there? Yes. Really? So you're going statewide now. Yeah, we're going statewide. And the good thing about this is that JOLT has different chapters and different uh, universities in the state of Texas. So we have a a chapter group in El Paso who's going to come out and help. And uh, we lately we've just been getting hits, and we've been getting like even uh, people in Los Angeles are interested in Poder Quince. They're like, we want to do what you guys are doing, and I'm like, right now it's Texas based, but I mean we had people, we even had someone sign up from Michigan. Wow. So right now you're ballparking that maybe you've reached you know a couple hundred as far as getting people signed up. Mm-hmm. What is your hope? What what is your goal by the time we get to November of this year? How many people do you hope you have gotten to sign those pledges? Well, see, here's the thing with the with the quinceañeras. Um, so once we attend the quinceañera, we don't just stop there. We go to the to the girls' high school and we register the seniors there, and then we also speak to the freshman classes to sign them up as well. So just last Friday, we were at uh, Irving High School and we registered 145 students. Wow. So what happens on election day? Do you guys take vans out to get these people to physically go to the polls, or how do you physically get them? I mean, there? we're going to bombard them with text messages, and if and if we need to uh, hook up with someone that's doing like ride share, we definitely will, because um, we want to make sure that everyone goes out and vote. And now that Dallas County, you can vote anywhere. It just makes it a little bit easier for us to be like, hey, you're in this area, you're at Waffle House. Okay, go <laughs> next door and go vote. Carmen, you wanted to be a vet. You have a political science degree as well. What kind of satisfaction do you get out of this? I mean, a lot, especially when I talk to some of these moms and some of these kids. Um, Like you asked about parents, a lot of parents. In fact, I have a parent who um, wants to volunteer for us, and we attended her daughter's quinceañera in December. And she's all about the program. And it's just, I mean, what I get is that, you know, people are going to, their voices will be heard, finally. Give, Give us some statistics. How many quinceañeras have you been to? How many people have you registered to vote? And how many have signed pledge cards? Give me some rough estimates. Um, so far for 2019, we have attended 54. And Good. it's like a you know a pilot program. We were getting it off. Um, the How many we registered, I don't know. But I know we've gotten over 500 pledge cards. 
And then now you're going to the high schools too, mm-hmm. which is, was that something that you developed along the way? Like, oh, you know what? Let me use a thread from one of these people I met and now we'll go find their friends. Yes. So that, so at first it started just with the quinceañeras and then we realized we could go into, into the high schools, especially because in the state of Texas, you know, they're required to have, to, to register their seniors. And a lot of the high schools were not complying to that. Um, so we got our way in through the parent or through the through the through the quinceañera because they they always have that one teacher that they can reach out to. So they give me their contact. I reach out to the teacher and we set up uh, a civic engagement presentation where we go and talk about that. And um, a week ago we were at Sunset and we did a census piece as well. Sunset High School in Dallas. Do you ever have a school that says no? I know, not yet. How about a quinceanera? You ever buy somebody? Ah, you know, this is a bad idea. We should have done this. We've gotten some pushback, but they eventually said yes. And after we're there, they love it. So I've never gone to a quinceanera and they're like, I can't can't believe I let you guys come to my party. No, we have not. So let me me knock on wood. Teresa, (laughs) you've done stories about, you know, getting the turnout out there. You know what the stats are after talking to Domingo Garcia. Mm -hmm. Uh, How much do you think the novelty of this helps out to be able to sort of softly reach out to people about voting yeah i think it's um it's a perfect place right i mean people are in a good jovial mood and so it's a perfect place to have the conversation and i think carmen's being very smart about it you get that information in the phone number and the email and then you just don't turn loose you Mm -hmm. keep contact with them so yeah i think the novelty of it and also hopefully going into the high schools going to the to these quinceaneras you start to sort of turn the tide on what these young people think about the process. There's always going to be young people out there who think, I'm not, I don't want to do that. I'm not going to be a part of it. But if you can just change 5% or 10% to where they start to believe they this is their right, this is their privilege, this is their voice, then potentially there could be an uptick because of efforts like this. There was a lot from Domingo Garcia that you couldn't fit into the story because the yeah. story itself is so compelling, just sure. this whole idea. Yeah, and, and you know, I think also um, I I was asked in a couple of social media posts and emails about um, the voter registration process. And and Carmen knows this well. In Texas, it's not super easy to register people to vote. There are strict guidelines on who can register who in certain counties. You have to be deputized in order to do this. And so some say that's very much on purpose. And some say it's very much on purpose. And some say that's part of the reason why voter registration is lower because we don't make it as easy as other places do. Texas is one of six states in the nation where you cannot either uh, register the day of an election or register online. Hmm. And so we don't have the easiest process. That's a dampening effect Absolutely. for a lot of people. And so, I mean, Carmen knows you've got to follow those guidelines. And for instance, if you go to a quinceanera in Tarrant County, you better be sure that the person who's there to register can actually register people in Tarrant County. So, oh, Carmen, you're going to need a law degree before this is all said and done too, right? <laughs> right. Right. So I think, you know, those are some of the things that Domingo talked about in that story. Um, and of course, he, you know, I, 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 Again, on social media, you never know what people are going to say. But he's LULAC. He is a proud Democrat. And so some people were saying this is a partisan story because you put Domingo Garcia in your story. And again, to the point you've made, Jason, this is not a partisan issue. I mean, there may be some partisan backing and who's going out and doing this. But the bottom line is 
go vote. Mm -hmm. If you vote for the Republican or if you vote for the Democrat, they're fine with that. They want you to exercise your right and be a voice for the community. So after November of this year, what are you going to do? Put your feet up? (laughs) No. Uh, (laughs) What what happens next? Then we have 2022 to worry about and midterm elections are even bigger than presidential elections. You're going to run for office one day, aren't you? I hope I have your support. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I just want to point out, uh, Teresa, you did a fantastic job with this story. And uh, we have attached that, by the way, on our Yolitics Twitter page. If you're not following mm-hmm. us on Twitter, start following us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm at Jason Wheeler TV. He's at Jason Whiteley. He almost said, I'm at Jason Whiteley. I did. <laughs> uh, even I get us mixed up. Right. Um, and I'm at D Woodard 8, so there you go. Right. How about you, Carmen? Where are you? You know what? I'm not on Twitter. Oh my what? Gosh. Right? Okay, I, well, I tell us I'm a somewhere. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you could follow our organization, Jolt underscore Action, on Twitter. Jolt underscore Action. All right, cool. Teresa, thanks for being here. Um, I have a, a request. Next time, I, right. I want to come to a place that does serve beer. The coffee's great, but... <laughs> I know. We invited you, and you're like, yeah, I, know, I get yeah. to go have and a beer while working, know, and here right? we are with coffee. She's already critiquing us here, too. <laughs> Carmen, thanks a lot, and good luck to you in, in this effort. It's a fascinating effort. Uh, thank you, guys. We have, to, uh, we have to wrap it up now, though, because I've been eyeing your horchata this entire time because they don't kid around here with the green chilies. It My mouth fantastic. is on fire. It's very tasty. With my mouth on fire, and that word chocolate would put it out. Jason's been asking all the questions. My plate's almost empty here, and Jason hasn't been eating very much. It, it, this is fascinating because, again, it shows how much it's all about data. Yeah, and meet these people, get their information, and follow through. The follow-through is everything. And, you know, I think that some of these campaigns are finally starting to catch on with this because uh, I have a friend who is not Hispanic. She's a white woman, and she does not speak Spanish. And she has gotten Facebook messages and texts now in Spanish for 2020. They've got to figure out who they're sending these things to, so the data does matter. But there is an effort out there to start putting these things out and speak to people where they are in the language that they speak. They just need to hone that data a little bit because they're hitting the wrong person there. And finding them where they are. We yeah. talk about that all the time and you know, when you're in, when broadcasting. But going to a quinceanera, I mean, you have a captive audience right there. The challenge for Carmen and for Jolt and for every other organization is going to be turnout. Yep. That's the biggest the, the biggest hurdle they all face. We had 2018, the year of the woman. I saw the prediction that this is going to be the year of the Latino voter. But you know what? We've heard that over and over again, and they haven't shown up on Election Day. Maybe people like Carmen are going to change that this time. We'll wait and see. All right, guys, thanks a lot. I'd like to also thank uh, Armando Monroy for having us over here at El Toxqueño in Oak Cliff, Texas, representing uh, the OC here. Armando, you're great. You set my mouth on fire, but you're great. He's saying thank you off off mic here, but it's, it's fantastic. The green chili here is excellent. Uh, thanks for listening as well, too, guys. You can find Teresa's story at WFA.com slash Yolitics. You can also find it. We'll tweet it out with this podcast as well, too. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Teresa, we got to have you back again. We need more of this female perspective. Bring it. I'm ready. Beers next time. Cheers. Nice.